Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with my co-host, Gail Dobie of Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting. Today, we're excited to have one of our favorite design gurus on the podcast, Karen Wolf. Always full of energy and excitement, Karen sets the vision and tone of KBW Interiors and infuses the studio with new resources, fresh design perspectives, and ongoing education. As the principal and owner, Karen has had a fulfilling career forecasting trends, developing products for celebrities, and for the past 10 years, designing amazing homes for her clients. Well, Karen, we're so excited to have you here today. It's so good to see you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be a part of Gail's new podcast, and um, I can't wait to have our conversation. Great. Well, why don't you just um, start off by sharing a little bit about how you met Gail? So I met Gail when I was at High Point Market. How many years ago was that? Five, maybe? It might have been seven. Mm Mm-hmm. Somewhere between five, yeah, it's been a long time. Somewhere between five and seven years. And my business was just starting to really grow at that time. So I was interviewing quite a few coaches and nothing was really clicking for me. I really felt that nobody had the full package. Most of them were specialists in one area or another. But most importantly, what they were not connecting to is the emotional strain that this business can have on people and have on designers. So Gail had the business side and understood the emotional side of what it takes to really grow the business. And as soon as I met her, I just broke down and cried. She fit me in. She fit me in. You know, I was about ready to leave. I had one more day and I called and I said, I think I'm desperate at this point. I really need some help. What can you do? And she said, I'll squeeze you in, come to my hotel. It was a very nice hotel at the time. I was like, wow, she got reservations here. Lucky gal. (laughs) And um, nobody gets reservations at that hotel at High Point. Anyway, but when I met her, as as, as soon as I sat down with her, just the connection, it's the eyes. She looked me in the eyes and I just bawled. (laughs) <laughs> I'm known to make people cry. <laughs> yeah. Some people call Gail the principal, you know, like going to the principal's office. <laughs> well, we didn't even speak yet. I think I just was so ready to find that person. And when she met me, I was so relieved. I already had in my head, this is going to be it. And so as soon as we met, I, you know, I let it all go. Well, I'm certainly glad that you guys finally got to connect. And I do remember that market where we were at the hotel and it's so hard to get anything, anybody scheduled, you know, with all the different market meetings. And so I think it was truly meant to be that you two connected. And at that point, especially with what you were, what was happening in your business and where you wanted to take it. Yes, I agree. It was so funny too. I, I Now that you mentioned this, I, I don't have that recollection of you crying and I don't remember you begging, but <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that it worked out because we've had a really great relationship over the years and yes. we, I have really watched you grow and it's just been so much fun to see you just 
take hold and really jump in with all feet. <laughs> it's been great to see you really grow in the last couple of years in particular. And I'd say during this year of COVID, I've seen a huge change in you in terms of how you are just there. You are going to figure this out. You're going to come out of this really strong. And it's been amazing watching you. Thank you so much, Gail. And I think, you know, in the beginning when I first met you, it was more about gaining the business skills and the process and figuring out, you know, who to hire, reading a PL even. It was more basic. And then as you know, you progress and your business progresses, what you've been able to offer is you're able to adapt with your market and grow with them as well. And then give them the tools and and resources that they need as they expand and level up their business. Mm -hmm. So that's been a great asset. And you watch as people have specific needs and try to provide them with the resources. Mm -hmm. So for me, not just your guidance, but the resources that I gain from being involved with your coaching and also with the group coaching has been invaluable. It's kind of, to me, it's a collaboration because the more I work with people, the more I understand what their deeper needs are. And I'm I'm trying really hard to bring those assets and those resources to you. And I think one thing that's really fun for me as a coach is to be challenged by you all because you all challenge me to be better every single day. So for me, as I'm listening to you all and I hear the problems that you're having, one thing that I've found out that I really like to do is develop tools for you. You guys. And the tools are to me part of just helping to hone in on what are those little bits and pieces that we can bring to you that will help you understand your business that much better, your financials better, and get a better understanding of where you need to go with things. So I thank you for being uh, a challenging, <laughs> you know, you've challenged me to be a better <laughs> no, coach. No, there's no question. I'm challenging. But anyway. <laughs> no, um, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you're lovely. <laughs> but I was also going to say that I I think one of the other resources and assets that really one of the, I wouldn't say resource, but one of the assets that you have as a coach is that you were able to bring competitive parties together in a non-competitive way so that we were collaborating and learning with each other. Because one of the biggest issues in the design industry is this sense of isolation. We're all in our own silos. Everybody's competing against each other and nobody really knows what the next person is doing. So having that ability to see how the inside scoop as to how other businesses are run and to share your, you know, your wins and your losses and your successes with colleagues of the same level is so incredibly important. And so you've put together this safe environment for people. And that's what I'm part of, which is the the boardroom and your various different boardrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, I love your boardroom. It's the badass boardroom. <laughs> Thank you. My name. <laughs> <laughs> it always cracks small me up. and mighty we were yes. we're small and mighty yes you are you're very small and mighty but you know what i love too is this past year when we were doing the awards and we were recognizing the boardrooms your little tiny boardroom of five people or five companies actually just blew away the rest of the boardrooms with your results so i thought that was wow terrific. i love that that's incredible it takes about a year and actually i just spoke to leanne last night and we were discussing it it takes like a a little over a year for you to really bond. And we decided that, you know, while this virtual thing is great, it's fine. We were all figuring it out, but you really do need to kind of meet, have a lot of drinks and then have a cry. And then that's how you bond. (laughs) 
Well, that is part of our secret little sauce. We love to, I shouldn't say that, but it's true that we do try to hit on some emotional things to get people to that point because we know that's when those breakthroughs happen. So It is. Until you do that, you're not yeah. open with each other and information is withheld. So you know, we're really all there for each other. We've grown closer. We have virtual wine little get togethers every now and then. So COVID has not, you know, stood in the way of our boardroom. I love seeing that because I know that um, for all of us, it was such a hard thing to deal with, with COVID starting. We were supposed to meet right as I was in New York City on, um, I think we were going to start on March 16th. So we ended up, I know we had to cancel that. And that was the last minute thing. It was a little hard for all of us. And just <laughs> realization that, oh my God, the world had really changed. But, you know, I think everything works out for a reason. And as one of our mentors says, uh, things happen for us, not to us. And I think in the end, it all worked out. And I just love seeing how everybody's been so resilient and come back with these great ideas and just this determination to have a great year no matter what. I agree. So Karen, I'd love to know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've overcome in your business? Oh boy, you jumped to that question fast. (laughs) Uh, So I think probably the biggest challenge for me has been risk-taking and making a commitment to grow. So in the beginning... I didn't know necessarily where this business was going to take me. It was myself and not even, I didn't even have a hire when I met Gail. So this is a prospect and thought of hiring one person was absolutely mind boggling. And to take this business, you know, out of the home and into an actual physical space was another really huge decision. And each of these decisions, I mean, Gal knows me really well now. I kind of don't make my decisions as quickly as I should. So sometimes I labor over it and I struggle and I'm a bit indecisive. I really needed that kick in the tushy to get me to basically realize what I have in front of me and to take these risks and to get into a growth mindset. And then once you start going and you see the success, it's hard to go backwards. So, you know, what Gail provides you with are the tools in order to, and the processes so that you can really ramp up the business and keep growing with a growth mindset. I remember you talking about wanting wanting to have a studio outside of your house. And here you are sitting in your studio. Yes. Um, I see people walking by and you're out in the public eye. So it's so exciting to see you in that space. I am. And really, I ended up moving here for, we needed physical space more than anything. It was not, it was less of a retail decision, but just getting out of the house. Like I was so comfortable just getting out of my bed in pajamas and walking to my garage, which now is the new normal, but then it wasn't. And the idea of having to get into a car and physically drive somewhere was mortifying to me. Now I can't believe that I ever even gave it a second thought. So the things that clog your mind, sometimes you don't even realize you know, how irrational they might be until you take the next step. And that's what, you know, having a coach is able to help you overcome. And then I also think some of the other things is the realization of your capabilities and belief in yourself. And so, you know, Gail obviously has to believe in a lot of designers, but we all always feel individually appreciated. For me, the belief in my ability to speak, to communicate, and to kind of step out of maybe being a a singularly focused design firm only on design has really given me a passion to pursue other areas of the design field where I'm focusing on trends and realizing what my core strengths are. So that's been super helpful. But in doing that, you have to put yourself out there. And in putting yourself out there, that's scary. So that's part of the whole risk-taking factor. 
you've overcome that. And I've loved watching you step through that because it is hard. And sometimes it's taken more than a little bit of nudging, yeah. <laughs> sometimes a lot of nudging and, and multiple times to get you kind of over that, those hurdles. But I think Aaron would say this too. One of the things that I love is mentoring, because if I can help you overcome those things and you can see your potential the way I see it, because I see huge potential for all the people that I work with. And so in my view, I just can't let you stop at that wall. So I think, you know, for Gail, she saw in me that I was not good. I'm very creative and my, my mind is always spinning with ideas. So not just visually creative, but probably content and marketing creative. So being one dimensional and doing, you know, running a design studio that I was going to tire of it at some point. And she saw that right away and said, you need other outlets. And some people put their passion into other outlets like golf and, you know, and all of that's great and games and or charity work, their faith. But for me, it's always been business related. So I channeled it into positioning myself as a trends thought leader in the industry. And Gail really gave me that first opportunity to shine in that area. She put me in front of 500 people at your event. What is that event called? It's the, um, is that the, wasn't the genius exchange, the one at high point. That was the Interior Design Summit. Yeah, right. The Interior Design Summit. And I had to prepare for it. Oh, wait. Before that even, she asked me to prepare my, what did you call it? You call it your your genius. Areas of brilliance. Mm -hmm. Areas of brilliance. And I love that. And so I remember spending an entire Memorial Day weekend preparing this trends deck that I really was only presenting to the boardroom. And so I did that. And then I you know, realized, okay, they really like that information. And Gail said, that was great. Why don't you go in front of all these people and present it there? And so then I, I tweaked it and I, you know, put it together for a broader audience and cleaned it up a little bit and then spoke in front of these 500 people on lifestyle trends and design trends. And I was, after doing that, then it puts you into the game. You're like, okay, but Gail, you gave me the opportunity to realize that I can do this and kind of more or less said, here's your chance You can go backwards at this point, or you can keep taking it and try to do something with it. So from that point, I was given the opportunity and it was up to me to make the rest of it. And I've created a few eBooks since then that are downloadable. And then in addition to that, I blog and I write on design trends, sometimes for Gail, sometimes for just my blog. I've posted on LinkedIn. And most importantly, I created this series called Design Pop Trend Series, where I interview industry leaders and connect design lovers and the trade with what's happening in the design industry, what's hot, what's not, and what's trending. So it's been a great format for me. Mm-hmm. It's right up it. your alley. So talk to us a little bit about your background and why this was such a natural fit for you, because I think you should share that. So I had a, a unique background. I was in college. I was a fine arts major and a, a marketing or actually a communications major. I couldn't decide which area to go into. So I ended up in graduate school in an incubator program called Integrated Marketing Communications that was between business and you know creative marketing, more or less. So after that program, the person who ran it was Spiegel, Ted Spiegel of Spiegel Catalog. And he placed me in his company as the in a trends division. And what we did was we forecast trends for the buyers. And I was probably 22 years old at that time. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just knew that, you know, I loved it. And we did a lot of market research, consumer research. We went to all the trade shows and we analyzed what was happening in the market and then presented to the buyers what they should be putting into their spreads. 
and then did overall macro presentations for the entire company on you know, what was happening in the industry, both in fashion and in home. So that was my beginning background. And then from there, I took quite a few turns as most people do. I did product development in the infomercial industry and then went back and ended up as an interior designer and getting certification from Parsons. But that previous background was really where my love was and my beginning understanding of how to put together kind of, not even kind of, how to put together lifestyle movements with visual and physical merchandise and also take an account for the emotional side of purchasing. That's amazing. (laughs) And and that, I think for all of us, if we go on this journey and we don't start where we end up, for sure, most people do switch careers several times. And to have all of those things really come together, it just makes so much sense. And I think you've got a really big picture ahead of you. And let's talk about that a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> oh my, my big picture ahead yeah, of me. your 10-year vision. I'd love to hear my that. My 10-year vision. So I think in 10 years, I mean, obviously I, I want to stay as a in this industry. I love this industry. I love designing, but I also love seeing what's happening and what's evolving and taking what's trending in our exterior world and bringing it into our clients' homes. So, you know, our firm is a little bit more trend forward, perhaps we're timeless too, but we're trend forward in that we do try to incorporate some of the the more current movements into our spaces. Moving forward, I think, you know, I'm definitely going to be continuing with this design pop trend series on video. I hope to open up maybe another design firm in another location and perhaps become a speaker and a consultant for other manufacturers on what materials they should be using, what the consumer is looking for, and then how to translate it in color and in finish. That's exciting. So uh, I think that'll be fun. And of course, you have just completed your cottage by the beach, right? Yes, I did. (laughs) So almost, almost. (laughs) And that's on the Jersey Shore? Yes, it is. It is. Great. So that's more of like a little dream project, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a cute cottage and it's very much, you know, it, it has tons of the, the feel that I personally like, which is usually neglected because you can weave a little bit of it in, but at the end of the day, we are designing for our clients and that's how it should be. But we always have a point of view and our point of view is definitely that we tend to use a lot of neutrals with a pop of color and we layer a lot of textures and finishes And then we usually bring in a tiny bit of glam to that organic layered feel. So that's our signature. Well, and it's so fun. And I know right now you've been nominated for one of the awards on HGTV. Uh, I can't remember exactly the details of it, but you have this great fireplace and it's this really dramatic, deep charcoal. It is. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. So, you know, we tend to, if we're going to do something super dramatic, it's usually in one spot or it's very impactful and it gives the wow, but our homes are not overdone. So we're not the designer that's doing dramatic everywhere. We're thoughtfully considering where it should go and why so that it makes a statement. And this particular project was up for color and pattern. HGTV. (laughs) And no surprise that it has a lot of uh, really dramatic color in there. It was great. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Fingers crossed that we'll see that you've won that award. Yeah, I hope so. We're definitely helping promote that. So we appreciate it to know just you're such an incredible businesswoman and so incredibly creative, probably one of the most creative people that I've had the pleasure of meeting. Thank Um, you. So what really inspires you the most? both in business and your creativity? 
Oof. Ah, that's a good question. I think what inspires me is new. I like to learn. I like to explore. I like to see new things, find new things, understand the process behind something or the technique, the material, the finish, and then bring it into my projects and weave it in so that it's, you know, it makes sense. I mean, not everything new makes sense for what you're working on, but integrating it in and then problem solving. So I tend to be one of your questions. I'm jumping. One of your questions was, you know, who inspires you? And I think I answered, I'm not necessarily inspired by one specific person, but more based on a type of personality and the type of personality are particularly women and it's tenacity, a can-do attitude, people that really set their goals and have drive and pursue them. So I admire that type of personality mindset and who have a lot of energy. I definitely tend to you know, be attracted to people that have a lot of inner energy, so not necessarily an a physical energy, like an athlete, although that's so admirable, but I guess I can't relate because I'm certainly not one. <laughs> well, you walk a lot. <laughs> I do walk I, a lot, but I'm pretty, pretty far sure from that. At one point, you told me some pretty great tennis stories. Weren't you a pretty big tennis player there for a while? I was. You know, with tennis, it's a lot of practice. You don't need to be an excellent athlete to be a very good tennis player. You just, at this age, let's just say, maybe when you're younger, But as an adult and you're taking on tennis, it's just a lot of practice and hard work and muscle memory. And certainly I gave it my all and was in great shape at that time. So it was really fun, but I had to move on. Well, you still can put anybody in the dust at market. I have never seen anybody walk (laughs) so much and so fast and go through so many showrooms and get so many things done in market than you. I I, win the the award. (laughs) I love market. I love that I track like 27,000 steps in the, well, no, there were a few days where I might've done that. Most of the time it's like 19,000 steps. And I know I'm not the only one who tracks their steps at market. So for anyone who's listening to this, you might think I'm nuts, but it is a thing. <laughs> well, and you're just like an encyclopedia. Like you already have it. Oh, this is what's great here. And you definitely need to go there. And then I got this necklace here. And I mean, just, we're just having drinks with you and we're like, oh my gosh, She's just like a little encyclopedia. Like, where do you want to go tomorrow? And like, we'll just ask Karen where to go. We just need a scooter (laughs) to follow market. Market for me, I started going when my kids were really young. So it was such an escape. Like it became this highlight for me. I mean, not to say that I don't love my kids because I do, of course, but they were young and it was a lot of work. So market was like my three days off of peace and quiet, really not quiet, but peace from my family life. And it was almost, it became a vacation for me, a work vacation. And so that became kind of a tradition. And now I revere market and I'm so sad that it's not going to be the way it was this year, but hopefully it will come back. I think it will. And hopefully sometime, I don't know if it'll be April, but maybe by October next year, we'll be back to it. That's the hope. I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to go back to one of the other questions that we asked you because I loved your answers on this. And it was, we want you to share your funny story. (laughs) Yes, please do. (laughs) I had two funny stories. Oh, okay. My funny story. Well, I have one that I I was thinking about telling, but I don't think I can. So my second funny story. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell that one too. (laughs) Yeah, I really can't, but I want to. All right. I'll do that one first. I'm not going to name names. But a celebrity, I was in a car with a celebrity going to promote them on New Year's Eve. And 
we were in the limo and he, you might want to cut this. He farted really loudly. And my husband and I, my husband was with me. It was New Year's Eve. We were dying. We couldn't believe that this man, this celebrity, <laughs> I mean, like blatantly farted in front of us. Anyway, so that's my crude story, but this one's on the same category. We had a photo shoot and this was a very pristine home. And basically when we got to make their bed, we unrolled all of the sheets and the guy's dirty underwear was in the bed. And we had to pull the underwear out. I'm looking at somebody in my office and she's looking at me. I think she's floored that I'm actually telling this story. I'm not naming names. Nobody has to know. But we were absolutely flabbergasted that we were doing this as designers. But that's not all we do. We flush toilets at times. And we clean up dog poop. We've cleaned up kids' vomit. We've gotten stains out of things that shouldn't be there. So, you know, a designer and probably realtors are along the same line. We do the same sort of thing for our clients, anything. Yes. And it doesn't phase us anymore. It's hard to shock any of us, I think, once you start doing this kind of work. And we're also therapists for people when we do their houses, for sure. Completely. You know, we're in the middle of a relationship, basically. And so we really need to have diplomacy and figure out how to get the two parties, you know, to see eye to eye or create an agreement prior where one party is more dominant than the other so that we have a smooth process. Well, you seem to have mastered that too, but I'm sure you've had some challenges in addition to what you've talked about. So what's your biggest life lesson you've had so far? Um, I think my life lesson really was something I knew from the very beginning, but wasn't willing to truly accept. I think, you know, people who are creative tend to be, well, not everyone, but I'm also impatient. So when I first started this business, I wanted it all to be yesterday. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a person's home and they say, well, can't you deliver this all in seven days? I watched that on HGTV. It's the same concept with starting a business. You don't really realize how much hard work and how many baby steps you need to make to get to the point that you're at. And as you get further and further along, I can make an analogy back to tennis. It's basically becomes a lot of small tweaks and mechanical changes to fine tune your business. So it's diligence. It's an incredible, incredible amount of tenacity and hard work that you have to take home with you all night, all weekend, every day. And so you have to just trust that in yourself and trust that it will take you somewhere. So Karen, I know it's been a challenge too. Your kids just went off to college a year ago. You've had the COVID situation. Your husband had COVID. You thought he had another round of it. You've had a lot going on this year. So how has that been? And how have you managed with just all of the stresses and strains of all of that going on with your business? So my business is really what saved me during COVID from not going crazy. I think, you know, that's when I really turned into myself and said, it's either I fall apart or I figure out how to keep this going. And then I used my creative energy to create. Um, So at the time when my husband was had COVID, everybody was locked down. We were all in an unknown period of time. It was very anxiety driven for not just me, but everybody. That's when I, I really started to create the content that has now kind of spiraled me into the second phase of being a trend leader. Um, that's when Design Pop evolved. I also created these style quizzes. So for lead generation that are really fun, I really fine tuned the email marketing program that I'm doing and started figuring outreach out. And I 
I beefed up our Instagram presence. And also at that time, it's a great time to actually self-educate and to take classes and invest in coaching and in growth because you have the ability and, and the time to really process it and to slow down and to learn. So all of that was great. But as far as my family is concerned, I have two, well, I have two, I have twins. They are two, obviously. Um, they're boy and girl. They're totally opposite of each other. And they both go to the same college, which is incredible. My daughter is extremely outgoing and my son is extremely quiet. And neither of them have any interest in what I do. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to get them involved in this business, although I hoped for it, not permanently, but just maybe to watch the insides of you know, a small business operation and the entrepreneurial spirit and growth and what it takes. My son has been involved a little bit, but my daughter really doesn't want to do anything. Well, one thing I love though, is when we were talking, I think it was a coaching call and you were both in the car, your daughter and you were in the car and she was just chiming in. She had some opinions about- Oh, she does. She wants to be a psychologist. (laughs) Ah. So she definitely has opinions because if I have a client crisis or something like that, she's great to bounce ideas off of or a problem with the product shipping or- you know, everyday woes that we're all experiencing day in, day out that can drag you down. Thankfully, my daughter is there as an emotional support. She's fantastic. And then my mom has been a very, very, played a very major role in this business. Initially, when I first started coaching with Gail, my mother came with me and I really thought she was going to come into the business and be the back end. But she ended up moving to Florida as a full-time resident. And I lost that ability to have her, you know, be the the backbones, unfortunately. But in terms of people who I look up to, I had mentioned energy and you know tenacity and passion and goals. But my mom also is somebody who I look up to. She has a tremendous quiet strength. So she observes and listens beautifully and is able to put it all together and to give advice at the right time. So I respect my mom a lot. And she ran a, a major business at one point. Hmm. And so you got that love of business from her probably, right? And my dad, the two of them were in business together. Hmm. And they each had their own businesses as well at one point. Goodness. And then she was teaching as well at one of the universities, right? Yes. She taught on entrepreneurship. So there you go. You were, it, it was inevitable that you were going to be an entrepreneur. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. It's good to see the journey and how all these things are melding together and your well, mixed passions. Yeah. I mean, anybody who has experiences outside of just design and they think they're changing careers or that it doesn't add up or make sense, it all contributes. So never diss your previous experiences or think that they're not valuable because any experience can play a role in the design field. There's so many facets of it and in running a business as well, that you need to pull from multiple strengths in multiple areas. Awesome. Well, I think this has been so much fun hearing about your journey and all the things Thank you have around. So why don't you wrap up with us and share maybe two or three insights that people can take with them today and apply either in their lives or their business? So I think if you're an impatient person like myself or highly creative and you want to see it all happen overnight, my first piece of advice would be take baby steps slow it down before you speed it up and build on your successes. And then before you know it, you're going to look back and be like, wow, because that's kind of what happened to me. It took me you know, five years to get to a point where I really had a solid business 
that was not just a hobby or a passion, but truly a business. And it wasn't necessarily where I thought it was going to take me, but I went with where my strengths were leading. So I'd say the second point of advice would be follow your strengths and listen and see them through and outsource and get rid of the things that you're not good at. Focus on what you are good at so that you can excel in your business and don't harp on the things that you stink at. Like I never knew CAD and I kept beating myself up that I'd never learned CAD. And I'm a self-trained designer too. And that used to really get at me that I was, you know, it was imposter syndrome or smoke and mirrors. And that's really being brutally honest on this podcast. And I somehow surpassed all of that and have a bona fide valid business with support from teammates and team members that have the skills that I may not have initially come into this game with. And then the third piece of advice I think is to follow your passion as well. And that if you aren't passionate about this, this is truly a tough business to be in if you're just going through the motions. This is a business that requires so many strengths and capabilities and you have to put it all together. It's pulling from so many areas that the only way to really, if you're an entrepreneur in it, the only way to really get through it sometimes is to just love it. Well, that's a great way to end the conversation. Thank you for that. It's just been so much fun hearing your perspectives on things and especially looking back and seeing the progression of where you started with us and then where you are now. It's just amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. It was so nice to speak with you, Gail. And thank you so much for all the help you've given over the years. Oh, it's my pleasure. Be sure to check out Karen and her team at their website, kbwinteriors.com and follow Karen B. Wolf Interiors on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. 